What is up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to, or watching as the case may be, Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it, and today we are going to talk about resisting temptation. This is my very first podcast, my very first recording of 2023. I hope you've had a very wonderful new year. I hope you had a Merry Christmas, and I hope you subscribe and stick around for all of the content that we're going to release in 2023. And when I say we, I also do a podcast with Aaron Dotson on Tuesdays. It is also on this podcast channel. It is called Christianity Now. And uh, tomorrow, Aaron's not going to be with me. I'm going to have to get off here and see if I can find a guest uh, because the show works better with a guest. We, or What I do is I go on TikTok and I look at videos and uh, I download videos and then we critique and, or, or look at these videos and talk about them. And it's, it's very interesting, and I've gotten a lot of positive feedback. That being said, uh, there is a way, a new way, that you can support me as a podcaster. You can buy T-shirts. And, uh, well, you know what? I should. <laughs> I should have the link. In fact, let me get this link and put it, put it in the comments section. Um, I, I, I really had a good time kind of designing this. This design is from a few years back. A Facebook project that I did called Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. There's actually a Jesus Loves Me, This I Know Facebook page and Facebook group. We didn't do a whole lot with it. It was just a it was just an experiment, but anyway, it was fun. And I still retain, of course, ownership of the logo that I paid uh to have designed. And I thought it would make a good t-shirt. And finally I I bit the bullet. I I partnered with uh uh Printify. And I have an Etsy shop, and whenever you order from Etsy, it uh, spawns an order on Printify, and the shirt is drop shipped to you. So you can, even if you're in the United States, um, even if you're in the United States, you can you can purchase this shirt uh, for normal sizes. Uh, what most people wear, it's like twenty five bucks Canadian. That's probably around nineteen dollars U.S. And then, of course, if you're like me and you need a triple extra large, it's it's a little more expensive than that. But hey, it takes more material. But I get about forty percent of the of the retail price. So I thought that was amazing. And again, it's a way that you can support me as a podcaster and get something back for it, besides more of me talking. That being said, if you want to support me on a monthly basis, uh, you can do that at www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. Now, let's get into the meat of our podcast. Incidentally, normally I do this on Restream. I am using my Mevo uh, streaming directly to Cogitations, and I'm so thankful that there are those of you that are listening while we're live. Be the algorithm for us. Like the, like, like the live stream, share the live stream, comment, uh, Jonathan Exum, uh, Jesus loves me, this I... Uh, this I love is what he said. I don't know if that's a typo or if he's just being a, using an accommodative language. Um, but that being said, so glad you're with us, Jonathan. And uh, if you can share it, like it, 
all that good stuff. And be sure and follow the Cogitations Facebook page. Now, resisting temptation. Man, let me tell you, uh, this comes from Genesis chapter 40. Uh, And it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker, never mind, wrong chapter, um, chapter 39. And And as Joseph and Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, to offer an, an officer of the Pharaoh's, a Pharaoh captain of the guard, an Egyptian bought him out of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was pros- he was a prosperous man, and he was in the and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Listen, I cannot read today. I don't know why that I can't read today, but evidently I can't. And I tell you what, usually I am reading from a from a Bible that has bigger letters. Um, this account finds Joseph catching the interest of Potiphar of Potiphar's wife. Let's go to verse seven of Genesis chapter thirty nine. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, "Lie with me." So she wasn't making any bones about this. She was like, Joseph didn't have to wonder what was going on. She was just straightforward. Verse 8, but he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is, uh, what is with me in the house, and he hath commu- committed all that he hath to my hand. And there is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me, but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So when I think about resisting temptation, one of the things that I think of is knowing your place and knowing your role in this world. And Joseph surely knew his. He was over all of his master's possessions, so much so that earlier in the text it is described that Pot- Potiphar didn't even wasn't even aware of all that he possessed outside of the food that came across his dinner table. That's the only thing he knew. He had com- commuted everything into the hands of Joseph because Joseph was blessed by the Lord, because Joseph was an upright and godly man. Evidently, his time in the pit from when his brothers sold him into slavery really helped him, and that's a podcast for another time. Joseph was, in my opinion, an entitled brat. A, a spoiled brat whenever um, whenever he was in his father's house and then of course whenever he uh whenever he whenever reality thumped him in the head uh instead of instead of lashing out and playing the victim and showing how it's everybody else's fault but mine he, implicit in the account is he knew the part he played in his downfall and he took ownership of it, and he made changes because he wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have prospered in Potiphar's house otherwise. Anyway, that's that's all I've got to say about that. Good afternoon, Brandon Dressner. Good to see you. Now, verse 10, and it came to pass. Never mind, I need to finish this point, don't I? When I think about resisting temptation, I think about knowing your place, know, being real with your situation. 
um, Joseph knew that he was in charge of all of Potiphar's uh, possessions, but one thing was off limits. So he knew the boundary. He was aware of the boundary. And he said, how can I sin against God by taking something that is not mine? And I pointed this out in class yesterday. It's not that sleeping with Potiphar's wife would have been a would not have been a sin against Potiphar. It would not have been a sin against Potiphar's wife. It would have been. But this is a literary construct. It's a tool where you use the farthest extreme to encompass all of the all of the gradient levels, all right? So, for instance, if I sin against my brother, but I don't sin against God, look, the, it's not as bad as if I sinned against God. I still need to make it right with my brother, or it could turn into sin. But the point is, this one act is all-encompassing, and it was a sin against God, but not God only. That's not what the text is teaching here. So when I think about resisting temptations, I know, to, I, I know the boundaries. And then I'm able to understand, I'm able to use my prudence and know who it affects. Who does this affect? Well, it goes all the way up to the highest level, this particular sin. So that was, that was motivation for Joseph not to do it because it would ultimately be a sin against God. You know, it may be that if it was just a trespass against Potiphar, that Joseph might have done it because, you know, he's a slave and he's he's oppressed. He's in a system that's rigged against him. He is a victim. But if it's only going to hurt Potiphar, he he might well be motivated to go ahead and sleep with Potiphar's wife. But Joseph had learned a lot and Joseph was not willing to sin against God. And Sinning against God here would have simultaneously been a sin against Potiphar's wife. It would have been a sin against Potiphar. It would have been a sin against uh, the children of Potiphar and his wife, if there were any. And it would have been a sin against Potiphar and, and his wife's parents. It would have been a sin against all parties involved who had any connection to Potiphar and his wife. We need to understand who it affects when we cross that boundary. So we have two things here when it comes to resisting temptation. Know the boundary and know the ramifications of crossing that boundary. All right? Now, it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Folks, temptation just doesn't come just one time. It, temptation comes in waves. You think you got it figured out on Monday? You got to wake up and do it all again on Tuesday, my friend. That's just the nature of the world. That's just the way the world is. Now, and we're going to, incidentally, we're going to end up in Romans and look at a passage of Scripture finally that'll help us. So you have to prepare yourself for this fight. There are temptations that are going to come Know your boundaries. Know where that transgression is. Know the ramifications of crossing that boundary. And understand that you have to be stalwart and you have to dig in for the long haul. Because this is not just going to happen every day. I mean, this is not just going to happen once. It's going to happen day by day. 
you are going to be buffeted with temptation to sin day by day. So what do you have to do? You have to dig in and you have to be determined to stand your ground. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. All right. Now, it goes on. And she caught him by his garment. Excuse me, verse 11. And it came to pass about the time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. So the thing that I notice here when I'm talking about resisting temptation for sin, up until this point, Joseph was able to resist the temptation to sin with Potiphar's wife and it not affect him in any negative way. So that's good. You know, he, he's still being buffeted day by day by this woman to say, hey, sleep with me, lie with me. I want you to be with me, and he's able to resist. But then, well, what Satan do? It re, he redoubles his efforts, and she actually found him alone and laid hold of him and said, come and lie with me. And at this point, it was more important that he resist the, well, the need, the importance of resisting the temptation outweighed the need and importance of self-preservation. I think Joseph was fully aware of what would happen if this came to light. Who do you think Potiphar is going to side with? A slave that he purchased from the Ishmaelites, no matter how respected, or his wife, the person that he vowed to be with forever? I do not think that Joseph was ignorant here. I think he knew exactly what was going to happen whenever he fled out of that situation. And I do think Potiphar's wife was probably not ugly. Potiphar's wife was probably not unattractive. Potiphar was a very high-value man, and he would have been able to get a beautiful wife. And the, in other words, there was an actual temptation there. And if Joseph would have allowed her to stimulate his body in that way and not have fled that situation in spite of what it would cost him to uh, for self-preservation, just despite the negative impact to his self-preservation, that it's possible he could have he could have fallen into that temptation. He could have he could have stumbled and he could have ended up in in the in the bed of Potiphar's wife. So, when I think of resisting temptation, know your boundaries, know who it affects. If you cross that boundary, and understand that it's a marathon. And then number four, understand that you may have to do something to um, staunch that temptation, even if it means that you compromise your self-preservation. In other words, even if it harms you on the world, in the world. Deborah O'Neill says, I think Potiphar had an idea of what was going on, and that's why he didn't have Joseph killed. That's a possibility. That is a possibility. And and that and that means, though, that he would have sided with his wife because he did, right? It was Joseph was unjustly put in prison. But Potiphar could not have Joseph in his house, even if Potiphar was one hundred percent aware 
that his wife was trying to seduce Joseph, he couldn't allow himself to be open, to be cuckolded that way. He had to get rid of Potiphar, or he had to get rid of Joseph to send the message to his wife. And that means that if Joseph would have given in that temptation, then, well, we know that Joseph would have been on the short end of the stick there. And then, you know, that opens up another thought that from, from first Peter chapter four about suffering, there's two, you're going to suffer. You can either suffer as an evildoer or you can suffer as someone who does good. You can suffer as a Christian. Joseph is suffering, well, not as a Christian because Christianity wouldn't come about for another few thousand years, but he's suffering as a godly man. He's suffering as a man of faith. Therefore, his suffering means something. His suffering is actually profitable. He's, he, it, it's, it's possible Joseph knew, I'm going to suffer either way, and I'm not going to be thrown in prison or executed um, rightly. If they're going to execute me, if they're going to throw me in prison, I'm going to make them be the ones who are in sin for it. And, you know, that's a statement of power. That's, 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 that's how to be formidable when you're not part of the ruling class. Like if, if, if you're going to oppress me and you're going to do me harm, I'm not going to make it easy for you. You are going to have to do me harm. You're going to have to kill me. You're going to have to treat me unjustly. That's what you're going to have to do. You're going to, you're going to have to bear the brunt of that. I'm not going to give you an occasion to do me harm. That, that's, that's the idea. Anyway, good stuff there, Deborah, and I probably shouldn't have gone on that tangent. Where are we at my little list here? When resisting temptation, number one, make sure that you um, make sure you're aware of the boundary. Number two, make sure you are aware of the ramifications of crossing that boundary. Who is this going to be a sin against? Make sure that you understand that it's a marathon and not a sprint. You know, Potiphar's wife would would tempt him day by day. Number four, understand and be willing to flee that temptation even when it compromises your self-preservation. For instance, in the modern world, if you are a um if if you're an alcoholic, somebody might come to you and say, Hey, listen, I want you to manage my my downtown bar and I'm gonna pay you a hundred thousand dollars a year to do it. You might, even though you're only making fifty thousand dollars a year doing what you're doing now, but there's no temptation to go back into drinking alcohol, um, you might have to say, I can't, I can't take that job. You have to resist that temptation, even though that compromises your self-preservation. Look, it's a lot easier to live in Western culture making $100,000 a year than it is to make 50, making $50,000 a year. That's just, that's just basic math. So you may have to sacrifice a lot of things in your life because of fleeing this, this temptation to sin. Um, Deborah O'Neill says, good thought on putting the ball in the accuser's court and making them be in the wrong. Absolutely, Deborah. And, and that's part of, incidentally, that's part of walking upright. Uh, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, which is what Joseph did, surely, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. 
soberly is having a sober mind, which Joseph clearly had, and rightly he was upright, and he acted in a way where he was upright before God and man, even in the face of the accusation of, uh, of, of sexual misconduct from Potiphar's wife when she had this supposed piece of evidence, his, his, his shirt or his overcoat or whatever it was. And in other words, he made them stoop to the low levels. He did not. He, he walked upright. He, he, was right, he was right in the eyes of uh, his fellow man. In other words, you had to lie. You had to recreate reality in order to put Joseph in prison. So that means it's unjust. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Now, of course, you you know what happened. The accusation came, and he was put in prison. And this was unjust. So another thing about resisting temptation is the understanding you're not always going to be shown in a positive light when you resist temptation. You have to be willing in order to remain sober, righteous, and godly. You have to be willing to be perceived as a monster. You cannot compromise your values. For instance, the, the Joseph, whenever uh, he had to flee and Potiphar's wife had his shirt, he looked like a monster. But he was, ha- he was he, in other words, it was going to come out. It was going to be public. He had to be willing to look like a monster to all the people involved so God would be able to see him and know who he was. It reminds me of the, um, of, of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus talks about praying, fasting, and giving of alms. And there's a line, uh, if, if you, you know, give your alms or pray in secret or fast in secret, your Father, which sees in secret, will reward you openly. But if you do your alms, if you fast, if you pray to be seen of men, men are going to see you, and you already have your reward. There's no reward coming from the Father. Well, Joseph, let's say Joseph had to give an end to Potiphar's wife. Uh, she may have, through, self, through her own sense of self-preservation, allowed herself to bed, to bed Joseph and have this as an ongoing thing and no one would have ever perceived Joseph to be a monster, but Joseph would have known it. God would have known it. Trust me, his life would have been much easier if he would have just given into that temptation and satisfied Potiphar's wife and kept it on the down low, as it's referred to. But he was willing, he was willing for people to perceive him as a monster in order to be righteous. We have to be that formidable. It, it doesn't matter what fiery darts come our way. We hold up the shield of faith, and we defend ourselves against them by our actions we take based on what we believe. Joseph believed that it was wrong to bed Potiphar's wife, so he held up that shield of faith, and he defended himself by his actions. And when you read Joseph's narrative, he was exonerated, maybe not individually, Maybe not specifically for the sin that of which he was accused, but eventually he rose to lofty heights in Egyptian government to the point where he saved the world, and he saved he's partly responsible for saving you and me because based on the dreams that he had, he knew what to do for the famine coming up, 
and there were 70 souls that went down to Egypt to get food, and he actually was reunited with his father and with his brothers. Wonderful stuff. Now let's go to the New Testament and see if we can find a scripture that encompasses everything I've said from uh, this account in a nutshell. Well, there is, I believe, and it's Romans chapter 13. All right. Whoops, that's Romans 11. Romans chapter 13. I'm going to read 13 and 14. Let us walk honestly in the day, or as in the day, not in rioting, not in drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Let's bring this scenario up into a 21st century uh, situation. Let's say, and I'm a man, so I teach from a man's perspective, okay? I'm at work, and there is a woman who has taken a shine to me. And oddly enough, when it comes time for me to take my 15-minute break, usually in Western culture on an eight-hour day, you get a one-hour lunch and a 15-minute break in the morning and a 15-minute break in the afternoon. So oddly enough, every time I'm in the break room, this woman comes in to take a break, and I'm not a bad person, so I talk to her because, you know, I'm not a pervert. I don't think everything has a sexual undertone, overtone, overtone, undertone, whatever. I don't think everything is colored by sexuality. I don't think every woman that wants to talk to me or is talking to me wants to sleep with me. In other words, I don't look at every woman as a Potiphar's wife. But she's always there. Now, as innocent as I am, I'm going to start making sure that there are definite boundaries. I'm not going to make any provision for my flesh to fulfill the lust thereof because this woman's pretty and she's speaking in such a way that makes me think that she's open to a secret rendezvous. Nobody is ever going to know on this earth. And in fact, most of the people on this earth, if they did know, they wouldn't judge me harshly. In other words, there's absolutely no risk on this earth to having a secret rendezvous with this woman. But what am I going to do? First off, I'm going to be a little aloof with her. If, if it is the case that we are forced upon one another, like in, in a break room for lunch or in, in a break room on break, or if we're assigned to work on a project together, I'm going to make sure to talk about my wife and kids quite a bit. I'm going to make sure that, you know, maybe I, maybe I rub my beard or something like that and uh, show my wedding ring. And I just, I just saw the video here. I'm not framed very well, I don't believe. I'm not a very good videographer. Um, anyway, but I, I'm, I'm just going to make sure that there's no occasion to fall into this sin. I'm not going to make it easy. In other words, if she says, hey, um, I, I live by myself, and at my house, my sink has sprung a leak. Do you think you could come over and look at it? You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to go over there and look at that leak. I'm going to make some excuse. I'm gonna, well, actually, I might not. At that point, I might not make an excuse. I might just say, look, I don't think that's a good idea for me to do. Um, I think you need to call a plumber. 
and she's going to know in no uncertain terms that that's a line I'm not willing to cross. I'm not going to be spending time alone with her. I really am going to try my best not to spend time with her at all because not because I don't trust me, not because my wife doesn't trust me. I can't remember who said this, but you know, I trust the locks and the alarm on my truck. I've got a 2015 Ram uh, Bighorn edition. I love it. Bright red, got a cattle guard on the front, big tires. Anyway, I trust the locks and the security system on my truck, but I will not tolerate somebody trying to test them out and try to get in them because I'm protective. I'm territorial of my truck. Well, I am protective and territorial of my marriage and my relationship with my wife. So I'm not going to allow somebody to constantly break into my marriage. I'm not going to allow them to tempt me. I'm going to be as much as I can like Joseph. I'm going to understand the boundary. I'm going to understand the ramifications of crossing that boundary. I'm going to understand that it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And I'm going to flee that temptation even if it messes with my, even with even if it compromises my sense of self-preservation. In other words, um, it may be that my boss says, "Look, I'm going to send y'all, um, I'm going to send y'all across the country. You're going to fly together, and you're going to stay in a motel together." I, I may deny that. I may be like, "No, we're not doing that. Uh, I'll I'll pay the expenses. I'll go by myself. I'll 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 when I say I'll go by myself, I'll." I may still have to meet up with that woman there, but I'm going to I'm going to pay for my own accommodations. We're not sleeping in the same hotel room. This, that, and the other. Um, I may get fired over that, but that's that's a line I'm willing to I'm willing to draw in the sand. And finally, I someone might say, "Well, Tony, you're you're being in, in this scenario." They might say, well, we, I can't, but you're just being a pervert. You're, you're overthinking this. I can't believe you would think that this woman wants to sleep with you or anything like this. I don't care what you think. I'm not going to make any provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I don't care if that makes me look like a monster or not. I remember when the left-wing news media caught wind of Mike Pence uh, saying that he does not go out to lunch with female co-workers without his wife present. In other words, he's not going to go to a restaurant and eat alone with a woman that's not his wife. And the left called him a pervert. The left called him all kinds of names. Well, okay, who cares? Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to open myself up. I'm not going to make any provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I'm going to guard myself against this temptation. So that requires knowing your place, knowing knowing who you are, knowing where you stand, knowing where the boundaries are, knowing who it affects, understanding it's a marathon and not a sprint, and being willing to look like a monster. As we go into this new year, if you have any struggles with which you are dealing, think about them from that perspective 
and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Be very territorial with who you are and who you are in Christ. And that's all I've got here. Folks, I hope I've said something that has um, enlightened you. I hope I've said something to make you think. And I hope I've said something that will help you as you journey onward to your home in heaven in eternity. If uh, you have any ideas for shows or Bible questions, go to Cogitations and send me a private message. Be sure and follow the Cogitations Facebook page. Be sure and order your shirt. Um, man, I'm excited about that shirt. And in fact, I hadn't ordered me any shirts yet uh, because I haven't had a chance. Uh, let me get this comment, though. I have a friend whose husband used to travel a lot. Sometimes he went with women. He never went anywhere with them on their business trips unless there were others there with them. He never went anywhere with only one of them, and he ate alone. Deborah, that is, and actually, that that friend you have, her husband, he, he probably compromised some of his ability to move up in a company. People probably whispered about that and thought it was strange. And it and he was probably had to had to deal with being ostracized just a little bit, but that's okay. That was he was willing to do that, so he made no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Very good stuff, Deborah. Thank you for that comment. All right, folks, this has been Tony Brew with Cogitations. Be sure and like, subscribe, and share. Be the algorithm for us, and subscribe to wherever you listen to audio podcasts. God bless you, and we will catch you on the flip side.